Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series with Kevin, where we add value to people's lives happening every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday on ebizradio.com. Uh, you can catch us live or you can catch at the, the Lunchtime Series on all major podcast channels. And uh, for our Lunchtime Marketing segment today, proudly supported by Hollard Insurance, hashtag big ads for small businesses. As per usual, our marketing and communications expert, Craig Pagely. How are you doing, Craig? Um, well, and you, Kevin. Thanks. Yeah. Good. Just feels like yesterday we, we had our previous guests. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, to that point, what a wonderful and inspirational conversation we had last week. I mean, like, absolutely, you know, taken by the gusty determination of Lesejo Selewane and Dina Khaleri um, uh, and the ability to improvise in the face of adversity to, the, um, to ensure the success of their gardening and landscaping business. Uh, and uh, it's uh, Renawe Creations that we, we spoke to, right? Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And yeah, you can definitely sense the, the support and respect that they have for each other and their team from the conversation. And, and absolutely, I know they are going to be good role models for, for many, many young women, not just young women, but many, many startups on the continent uh, wanting to, to head out there on their own. Absolutely. Craig, I mean, to that point, uh, what takeaway tips do we have for the listeners uh, from last week's conversation? Because such good information she shared. Yeah, gosh, shared. Kevin. Um, definitely a, a, a good few tips. And yeah, I think I think it goes without saying that their, their mantra of think of the bigger picture and as small as the business may be, just start. And, and really, for me, that's the great starting point. On, on the tips for today as well. And it definitely is the most important point that they made. And, and you probably ask why. Well, you know, the beginning is in all accounts, the toughest and most challenging moment for any startup business. And yeah, so therefore you just have to start. But it's also the moment when the idea or the dream becomes a reality and and that, that surge of fears and excitement rushed to the fore. And no matter how much effort, insight, or structure goes into developing the business plan, Clement, um, taking that first step is definitely going to be a daunting moment. And yeah, as we know in, in many instances, the closer you get to the start, the higher the odds of doubt re-entering the mind. And in many instances, unfortunately, it leads to yeah, insecurity, inertia, paralysis, and and often the idea of business not actually making it out of the starting blocks at all, and that's that's quite a, a sad reality reality for for many folk out there. The yeah. the next point is understand the importance of selling your idea and gaining support and buying to the idea. It's an ongoing journey, and and you don't you don't just try and formulate packages and then try and sell it. Is have your conversations during, you know, during the idea formulation. Get input from folk. Get them to help shape and guide and, and, and use that information to create the ultimate piece that's in your head, but, but really using the, the support around you. It's also important to understand um, how to sell your idea. Um, it's, it's really important to get to... Get to sell it relative to its starting point, but also to the end point. And, and that then also takes you to the next point, which is think beyond the main offering. It opens your mind to all aspects of, of the offering, including both potential pitfalls and potential successes. So when, when you have an inherent understanding of those, Kevin, you're definitely able to build longevity and sustainability into the business. And that's a point that came out very, very strongly from, from both ladies as well. 
allow your business to be flexible enough to adapt to the changing market conditions and especially on the back of the unplanned challenges like the COVID pandemic, which as we saw and heard from the ladies, they were able to adapt and ensure some longevity, particularly as certain parts of their market closed down. So a point that I've added in here, Kevin, though, is that flexibility does not necessarily mean changing the intent and direction of the business because that action when you're in it and you're needing to be flexible, but you're going off in a different direction, actually is when you need to pull back and revisit your business plan because actually you may well be entering a new business in its entirety or in 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 a totally different direction that is foreign to where your business plan is. You need to draw the line and, and really revisit. Share the knowledge and, and help with the skills transfer. Sharing the knowledge is something that, that came from Majaki's uh, feedback as well. You know, irrespective of the business you're in and the position you hold, if you have knowledge to share, share it. Share it with those that need the support and guidance so that they too can become successful because yeah, I'm sure that along, along their journey, they've asked for some help and guidance. And the final takeaway point there is one which, which encourages us to be sustainable citizens, a really beautiful term that the secretary uses. So in your actions, in your thinking, in your business delivery, in every aspect of your being, be a sustainable citizen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> be a sustainable, like that's such a, such a powerful, impactful line. It's like, you know, when she said that, I was like, that is the message that needs to, to drive home. And, uh, but, you know, what, what sort of floored me was the, the innovation that, 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 you know, they could just innovate and kind of go, okay, well, COVID's happened now and what's the next best possible solution here? And I think, you know, even in, in my business, you know, and that's why I like the variety of what my business does is from leadership to training to coaching and, and how that sort of complements each other. Um, but I think the, uh, you know, one of the things I'm also currently doing now is finding uh, platforms and innovation tools that, that sort of, uh, that drives uh, um, uh, a more of an online sort of presence around how to do what, what I specifically do. So, you know, when she spoke about that innovation, I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's the aim. It's like, as much as you love what you do and you have the passion yes. for it and you can hear it, like you always have to have that 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 little bit of conversation in the background, kind of going, "Cool, how does this? How does something else support this? How does what is what are those options?" And I, I just love it. And she's such a young, bright mind. It's uh, I could listen to her for hours. But I, I know you mentioned wanting to continue the conversation on local and African-produced brands uh, today, and use that conversation as an opportunity to grow awareness uh, of these brands with our listeners. Are you able to share exactly what that is and, and what's in store for us today? Yeah, Kevin, that's that's correct. I, I really do want to expand the conversation on brands um, that have originated here on the continent, but I specifically want to look at a range of apparel brands that seem to be making headway um, with, with the right positioning, marketing technology and developments. I believe that they probably could be poised for, for global expansion. The reason I've I've, I've thought of focusing specifically on that is, as we know from, from our brand Africa 100 best rankings, we saw three, four apparel brands in, in, the, in the top 25. And I just thought, okay, let's have a look at that and, and, and see where we can go. Because these brands really need to be positioned for global expansion. And I think if we can give them the platform, that's great. Yeah, Craig, and just to, to mention, like in, in support of what Hollard's doing, right, the big ads for small businesses, 
you know, with with the with the amount of exposure that is giving, uh, you know, exposure is what people need, and and if we can do our part, um, like I'm looking forward to it. It's like, yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> Absolutely, Kevin, and I like what you say because you know. Uh, out of what Hollard has done, we've had the opportunity to engage in some of those brands. We've had two already. There's there's a few more to come. But but in engaging in those brands, we've obviously shaped the conversation around some aspects of their existence, which has made us now look internally into local produced brands. And it, it really has opened our eyes into into many spheres that we didn't even know about in, in all seriousness. So, yeah. yeah. So at the, at the risk of sounding like we're repeating parts of the session that did cover the, the brand Africa 100, Africa's best brands ranking, Kevin, I want to reiterate that presenting the content for that session really made us realize how little we know about many of the locally developed brands on the continent. And yeah, as, as we just mentioned, we stated that we'd use the platform to create some 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 awareness for these brands. You're right, Craig. And, and knowing that uh, Barter Sneaker Brand, a uniquely South African brand, made it into the top, uh, top 10 in that ranking, it's important to raise the awareness for other brands uh, wherever possible, right? Yeah, Kevin, thanks, man. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the Barty brand because that's the one area I mentioned at Apparel, but that really is the one area that I want to cover in more detail. And, and that's actually within the category of Apparel, local sneaker brands. And and by the way, I think uh, it's a bit of a bias here because I have a huge passion for sneakers, a rather expensive passion to tell the truth. Um, so one has to be very selective when deciding what to buy next. But but definitely seeing seeing uh, uh, you know good sneaker brands on the continent making their way up in the top twenty five of the ranking, I thought let us unpack that a little bit. Craig, I'm with you about the about shoes, dude. Like when when it comes to shoes and you and you have a good pair of shoes on, um, like if you look at my cupboards, I, I I may as well have been a woman because I have I have more than enough shoes. That I, yeah. um, but yes, uh, <laughs> so I agree. Definitely, definitely support sneakers. I, you know, Kevin, the sneakers is, is is something that's very close to my heart. But there's one thing I have to admit of, you know, if, if you look at many of these global um, TEDx or, or any of the other uh, uh, webinars and things like that, you see guys wearing sneakers with suits. And that's the one thing I've not yet been able to do, to tell the honest truth. When I'm, when I'm formalized with a suit, you know, great chinos, uh, uh, jeans and and a, and a collar shirt and blazer with sneakers. I can do that, but God, I haven't been able to slip my feet into sneakers when wearing a suit. But nevertheless, <laughs> I've, I've done it once before. I, yeah, you can find those right the, the right fit uh, that really suits the outfit. I think <laughs> <laughs> you have to speak to Bartu and say, guys, we need we need to we need to speak about some nice shoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Kevin, to start off with, uh, you know, what I want to do is I actually want to touch on on incredible sustainable technology developments that are taking place on sneaker brands or in sneaker brands globally. And as you know from from one of our previous sessions, uh, brands are needing to demonstrate the commitment to the green economy and sustainability. Otherwise, they lose relevance and appeal to their once loyal customers. And, you know, we, we covered quite a bit around the Patagonia brand at that particular point as well. So it's 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 about, let's quickly revisit that. And, and I'm trying to find the thread to see if any of these brands have actually uh, made an effort to to pick up on, on, on what those opportunities are around green economy. So 
I came across an informative article published on stratosphere.com website that looks at sustainable technologies in sneaker manufacturing per se. And, and just to set some context here, Kevin, Stratosphere is a, is a media brand that was first launched in 2013, and it promotes style, culture, innovation, entertainment, technology, and business. And the aim is to be the choice daily reference point in contemporary lifestyle and street culture in Asia. Okay. So, so referencing the article titled Here's your favorite sneak. Sorry, how? Here's how your my tongue around that. Yes, <laughs> here's how your favorite sneakers are going green. It was published by Esh S. He's a contributor to the site on 22 April 2021. So nice current article. And we read that the local sneaker brands, uh, global sneaker brands, are making substantial investment in sustainable sneaker technologies. So I want to quote from, from the opening paragraph because it's a really powerful statement that it makes here, Kevin. Earth Day 2021 brings to the fore the discussion about our efforts to restore the earth we share. One of the key questions in the ongoing discourse is, how do we reduce our consumption? Some attempt to answer this question, short of closing shop, many of the brands we know and love have started to make the effort to apply sustainable technologies to their sneaker and apparel production. The good news is we know 66% of sneaker heads, me being one of those, and you by the sounds of it, are more likely to buy something if they knew it was made sustainably. So here's a look at all the sustainable technologies your favorite sportswear brands are using in their sneaker manufacturing lines now. So from, from that, um, it, it went on to address a, a, a couple of the sneaker brands, um, but I'm really just quite taken back by the two brands making the biggest investment and effort in the space. They're obviously Nike and, and Adidas. That said, Puma, Reebok, Under Armour and Vans, surprisingly Vans for me, are also active in developing sustainable technologies for their product ranges. So starting with the Nike brand, Kevin, and referencing the article, we learned the following. Instead of tossing their waste materials and unsellable products into the landfills, Nike actually separates them and breaks them down into new material called Nike Grind. Um, Nike has found multiple ways to utilize the Nike Grind from embedding them into the outsoles or, and, and through to using them in the construct of, of in-store features as well. Now, what's interesting, picking up on, on that particular point, I've noticed that the, the G-Star Raw brand, um, which is obviously a big, big, big denim brand, they're actually utilizing all the cutoffs from, from their jeans making in their um, shop front design and, and fittings as well. So good, good re reuse there. A further development is, is that of Crater Foam, which is made of 12% of the night ground rubber and a mixture of foam materials. And this combination promises to be sustainable, lightweight and responsive, and it makes it ideal for, for lifestyle sneakers. By binding 50% of the recycled leather fabric with synthetic fibers, Nike was gone on to create an engineered leather material known as fly leather. Um, this material mimics the look, feel and smell of real leather. Kevin is also more resistant to abrasion and 40% lighter than full grain leather. Yeah. And the last Nike development mentioned is that of flinnet yarn, which is used in Nike sneakers. So flinnet yarn is constructed out of 100% recycled polyester and is said to produce 60% less waste than traditional manufacturing. And according to Nike, it's been able to divert, divert take note of this, more than 4 
billion plastic bottles from landfills by using recycled polyester. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 incredibly powerful. Yeah, so moving on to Adidas, we learned that um, their partnership with Parley for the Oceans, Adidas has developed Prime Blue, which is a woven yarn constructed out of upcycled plastic waste, probably much like Nike, taken from remote islands, beaches, coastal communities, and shorelines, uh, and preventing it from polluting the oceans. And the great thing, yeah, I've seen some wonderful footage on, on, on some of the documentaries where actually some of that plastic has been old nets, which is, you know, turtles and, and other uh, um, ocean life have been caught. And so really great there. Prime Green, which is also made in partnership uh, with, with Pali um, for the oceans. Prime Green takes sustainability up a notch as there are absolutely no virgin plastic plastics used in the production of those performance fabrics as well, Kevin. And, you know, when you can start cutting out virgin plastics, we know the net benefits to the planet and that alone. Yeah. The last development mentioned talks about Adidas's partnership with Carbon. Uh, to create their 4D midsole, which is a process that involves light synthesis technology that uses digital light projection, oxygen permeable optics, and programmable liquid resins to generate high-performance, durable polymetric products. <laughs> this process, yeah, this process enables Adidas to create a midsole with precise dimensions and minimizes production waste. Yeah, sure. so, <laughs> I must admit that with, with a deeper understanding of the underlying technologies um, being deployed here, Kevin, you know, without that in place, the real environmental benefits still remain a bit of a mystery to me, uh, especially in terms of the complexity of, of, of the terminology and production processes just described. So I, I often wonder what energy consumption or, or other forms of, of environmental challenge actually went into the manufacture of these alternate fabrics and threads. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely for, for another conversation. Craig, so I know that you are going to introduce us to a few local sneaker brands, but having heard of that sustainable technology advancement being made by global brands, did you see any such developments being applied in the production of any local brands? Yeah, that's... Uh, a really good question, incredibly relevant and probing, uh, probing question, Kevin. And and in all honesty, no, I didn't. To tell the the honest truth, um, I didn't find a single article either relating to how the locally manufactured sneaker brands are applying sustainable technology developments or initiatives. And and I think it it definitely supports my previous comments from from the session that covered the brand Africa Hundred. Africa's Best Brands ranking session where, where I stated that local brands just don't have enough of the financial means to compete on all layers against the global brands, Kevin. And sustainable manufacturing process is definitely an important part of, of that equation. But actually, yeah, I was just thinking about it as we started the show. I, I want to expand my thoughts because thinking about Simon Sinek's The, the, Simon Sinek's the Golden Circle, yeah. We've, we've covered that a, a good few times and, you know, it addresses the what, the why, the what, the how, and ultimately identifies the purpose of, of anything in business or life. And, and not all of the local brands we're going to cover are built with that philosophy in mind, Kevin, which, which is, a, is a bit, bit unfortunate, but, but that in itself is an inhibitor for locally developed brands being able to compete in the international arena. 
But Craig, I think, you know, just listening to what you're saying, um, I think there's a, a very definite disconnect or disassociation that we have for the responsibility that we have to our own footprint. Um, you know, at an international level, level, I think, yes, because, you know, they have the budgets to do it and the, uh, they have the capabilities and means on how to implements uh, you know this types of uh, these types of st strategies but when you think of smaller brands and local brands uh, our set of reasons for why we need to make money and why we do what we do um, in comparison to that is set up so differently you know yeah. the reason for it you know so and I think that's why you know I was listening and I mentioned to you that you know <laughs> the planet is is being uh, is is really in a bad state at the moment um you know it just just that disconnect you kind of go okay well how am i then responsible for myself with on the you know in this planet and it's a very big question but you kind of go well you know we are so disconnected from the reality of you know the impact that we're having what are the actual changes that we can make like literally today me as an individual and yeah. i don't think we know how to do that yeah Education, 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 education. You're absolutely right, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's, it's you know, and it's a, it's a lovely segue into, into the next point I want to make here is that actually anyone starting a business or launching a brand, firstly, they need to understand why the business or brand should exist. And, and you know, going back to the point I make about education, if we have the right access to information the right access to these questions to be asked i think more people would be aware of this and they'd be you know jumping in with a very different solution than than what they have now you know yeah. the next question they need to ask is obviously what differentiates their business or brand from the market it operates in? and and yeah most importantly what problem does that actually business or brand solve kevin and lastly why should people even care you know and and in solving the last two points at minimum are crucial when playing against the global brands kevin yeah and and it talks directly to the point you make that they they absolutely don't have any understanding and are therefore coming from it are coming to it from a very different position and in most instances a wrong position but what i'll do is i'll try and touch on the points for reviewing each of those brands that that we're going to co uh, cover yeah okay so let's build awareness for these brands and the sneaker brands and let's let's reference another article that i came across which is listed or at least titled, here is a list of six South African sneaker brands that you need to know about. So I was quite quite intrigued because, um, you know, I needed to know about these. It was published by Monsieur Inni on the goldaccess.com blog on the 7th of July this year. Kevin, again, um, very current, current article. Um, and to set some context again for our listeners, the goldaccess.com blog, or this goldaccess.com is a website Interestingly, for youth culture aficionados, where the contributors document and curate African youth culture for the world. And what was great is that there's a lovely parallel between the goldaccess.com website and the stratosphere.com website that I referenced earlier, because both these sites actually aim to deliver contemporary lifestyle and street culture in Africa and Asia, respectively. So, yeah, both of them talking about sneaker brands, so you can see the the connection in, in this particular space. So referencing the article that we're going to cover, the six brands that, that um, we picked up on are 
Brand number one is Drip Footwear. Brand two is Batu, which you're familiar with. Brand three is Impala and Butler. Brand four is Mamakia. Brand five is Spalletti. And brand six is Via Footwear. Um, and just, yeah, for the record, I'm, I have to tell you, I was only aware of two, Batu and Spalletti. The others I've never heard of in my life before either. So let's introduce the listeners to the brands and let's give them some of that increased uh, awareness they deserve and hopefully more people will visit their respective websites and find a, a new favorite local brand to support out there so yeah and Craig just to reiterate it's Drip Footwear, Bartu Footwear, Mpahla and Mamakia, Spelete and Via Footwear I must be honest I haven't heard <laughs> I haven't heard of any of you I'm going to start googling you know because uh, it's good to know that we have, you know, we're, uh, six locally produced uh, sneaker brands. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Kevin, so, yeah, the, the first one I'm looking at is, so, so although the Drip Footwear brand business started in 2019, the story actually backdates to 2003. And, you know, this is something we find with many, many brands. The, the original story started long before the brand found its way into the market. So... 2003, when founder Lekar Sehorna, who was growing up in an informal settlement, had to make the most of what he had. Um, this sparked the innovation and creativity that's associated with the brand. Lekar didn't have any shoes to wear at that point in his life, Kevin. And when he saw an old torn sneaker one day, he redesigned it using denim and polyurethane. And the sneaker became a big hit and led him to making an entry into the shoemaking business. Um, what, what I find interesting there is, based on the fact that, that Lekar didn't have any shoes, he obviously had the what problem you solve taken care of or why people should care clearly defined. And, and you know, if, if only he had the, the insight to the other questions, I think the, the, the shoe would be a lot more successful than it is now. So Lekar spent the next five years competing high school before picking up on the brand again. And that's why there's that, that um, you know, pause between when, when the brand ended up on the shelves from, from when he started. Um, but just two years after the brand started, it had more than nine stores across the country, Kevin, which is phenomenal. And he signed a, a brand partnership worth 100 million rand with wow. one of South Africa's biggest artists, Kasper Nyavest. And, and that, that is absolutely incredible for a, a young man coming out of school, developing his own sneaker brand, launching nine stores and being able to sign a 100 million rand deal i think every single shoe manufacturer in the country would would, would give their eye teeth to be able to achieve that yeah. Sure. yeah to to quote an article um drip footwear is more than just a sneaker it's a brand that is dedicated to working with customers to design the future design and quality are at the core of everything we drew uh, do um, we are accessible and we collaborate with others to amplify our impact. We strive to be dependable, responsive, imaginative, and passionate brand. Our mission is to inspire consumers to define their great, irrespective of where they come from. Our bold design, versatility, and collaborative culture are what make us stand out from the rest. And that just, that, that entire paragraph, again, I believe is something that so many brands would aspire to that vision, the intent, the purpose behind it, and 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 building that partnership with with the consumers to help design their own product is is, is a really powerful powerful statement. Um, and and I think on the, on the back, if that philosophy can be 
carried through over the over the next while, I think the brand's going to be incredibly successful. And to that point, from nine stores, there are now 15 stores across the country already, Kevin. But I mean, Craig, again, you know, from no shoes to a hundred million rand deal, like, like, yeah, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, well, well done to Lakar Sehona, really great achievement. Wow. Yeah, the second the second brand brand that I'm actually quite quite liking the more I, I, I research it and, and spend time on on these conversations is Bartu, which we've definitely referenced a few times already. To quote the article again, Bartu is a story of owning your destiny, of staying true to who you are, of perseverance, of following your dreams and doing something you're passionate about. It's a story of walking your journey and interestingly um, you know when I, when I read that I thought it could be a brand that could do an incredible association with the likes of Johnny Walker the keep walking story and see you know I just in, in, imagined Johnny Walker on the ad actually with a pair of Bartu sneakers on one day yeah so so in 2009 and, and I'm going to watch the ads because if it happens I know that that Theo has been listening to the show exactly. so in 2009 Theo Beloy relocated to Johannesburg to stay with his uncle in Alexandra while studying towards his BCom accounting degree. And it's with that dedication and determination um, that Theo was able to complete his study, studies and he actually eventually, eventually graduated as, as an accountant. Um, Kevin, as a qualified accountant, he was presented with the opportunity of working at one of the top accounting and advisory firms in the world. He then spent two years in South Africa with that business and later was seconded to the Middle East for another three years. And it was during that period that the idea for his business came to him. So in his travels, he noticed that something was missing. And that was an African sneaker brand that portrayed authentic African story. And this is where his inspiration began. So in 2015, after months of conceptualizing, building up feasibility studies, and being rejected, take note, by 13 different factories, his mesh edition sneaker was born. Once yeah. in production and having dealt with a rigorous 18-month process of design, production, quality assurance, and, and financing related to the mesh edition, he founded the business called Bartu, which means shoes in Kazi slang. And he launched with just 100 pairs of mesh edition shoes, and they were sold to the people of Alexander Soweto, Midrand, and Tambisa. So he kept true to his roots, and, and he, he offered his brand firstly to those around him and those that had supported him. Moving to 2016, he released another 400 pairs of the mesh edition. And what's really great, um, he launched he, he launched his first collaboration in 2017, um, through an incubation hub in Johannesburg, which led to the release of a further 1,000 pairs of, of the mesh edition. So really growing, you know, more than doubling each, each time he went back to market. In 2018, uh, Barty acquired its first delivery vehicle and it opened its first store in Newtown again in a, in, in a city hub environment that really connected with, with the individuals that supported the growth of the brand. The brand, interestingly, Kevin, opened its 29th store on Saturday, this past Saturday, in Cavendish Square in Cape Town. Really great That's success. Well yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so both here and Bartu uh, pride themselves on creating African footprints across the globe, and there are definitely plans to position the brand across Africa with more retail stores opening, um, the first one starting in Botswana this year. 
As with Drip Footwear brand, collaborations are important, and to this extent, Bartu has collaborated with brands like Opal, Forbes Africa, really interesting association there, Sprite and, and Castle Light from ADN Mbev. Not quite the 100 million rand uh, customer invest, <laughs> but uh, really good good efforts nevertheless. The no. third brand is that of Impathla, which came about from a story about two brothers. And I love the story, Kevin. Two brothers used to share and alternate clothes. Even though they were 10 years in, in age gap, um, their clothes and shoes actually were the same size. So each season, they'd be excited about the new sneaker lines and clothes releases and would sit and choose different items to try and buy and share because they couldn't afford two pairs of everything. So they actually had a, a concerted effort to go and understand the current and, and, and emerging trends and buy into that. And then they, they could get a, a greater range of products and then just share those because they couldn't afford two of each. In 2016, they decided to create their own sneaker range. And in 2017, they formed their brand, which often an affordable unisex stylish comfortable sneaker line for an African child. In the mid-2019s, the brothers went back to the plan of owning their own line and then started developing different design styles. As they say, the rest is history. The fourth brand, interestingly, is, is that of Mama Kia, which is a Johannesburg-based footwear company founded in 2016 by Kulane Sikor Hasana, who is the current MD, and Vuka Darke. The name Mama stems from Mama, meaning mother, as, as you and I know, um, Kia, meaning home. And that's really where the heart and soul and spirit is. So to quote the article, the brand represents unconditional, undying motherly love. Really lovely that. Comfort and warm, given to us by nature. And this, this is the one shoe that's uniquely different to the other shoes, Kevin. It's, it's a shoe that's woven and it's made by hand and equipped with a comfortable sneaker sole. So literally it's it's as if somebody has knitted the outer shell and stitched and seamed it into, into the comfortable sneaker sole. They're made in conjunction with elders and millennials working symbiotically. And some pairs don African pride colors that mirror both nature and the use of flags, sovereign nations. Each shoe is more unique than a hot couture brand and is way more sustainable than any sneaker made in a factory. And, and as I say, so whilst the, the whole issue of green economy and sustainability and technology in, hasn't found its way into these sneakers, the fact that this is actually made from a woven fabric makes it the, the one brand that adheres closest to that, that particular principle as well, Kevin. And also great to see another young, successful woman entrepreneur in action, and especially, uh, you know, in this highly competitive sneaker brand segment. Great. Yeah, yeah, good, good point, Kevin. Because you know, if if you think back, I actually cannot think of a, a single other woman name associated with a sneaker brand. To tell the honest truth. Yeah. So, props to her. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's good, good point there. The fifth brand is is that of Johannes Mflangus footwear and clothing brand Spilette. And as I say, you know, I, I know this brand quite well. It grew from one small boutique to eight flagship stores in three provinces in 11 years, Kevin. Um, Spilette also produces quality clothing 
um, with original contemporary designs of the highest quality and their aim is a lovely purpose here is, is to alleviate poverty, eradicate youth unemployment and develop more effective leaders in the country. Unfortunately, there isn't too much more that I could find on the founder of, of the brand and his philosophy and what he's doing with the brand at the moment. It's such a pity because I really like what the brand stands for. Well, the I, sixth, I, yeah, sorry. Uh, eight flagship stores in three provinces. I'm like, that, that in itself uh, speaks a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, so Kevin, the, the, the sixth brand is that of Via Footwear, um, founded by Temba Makama, uh, an entrepreneur with a passion to help and assist young people to conquer and reach their goals. And again, the, all of the founders of these six products have an intention to ensure that they can make a difference in the world and, and make a difference and assist young people to, to actually take a step forward and, and achieve their goals. So Temba wants to build his brand to compete with both local and, and international sneaker brands. And it's, that's, a, that's a really big ambition. Um, he's always been influenced by sneakers and, and he wears, so, so here's a really interesting quote. He wanted to get others to get a foot into. There's a specific type of feeling I get when I walk in sneakers and I thought to myself, I would like to create something that could recreate that feeling in someone else. So again, his, his intention was not self-centered. It was to be able to express himself, but allow somebody else to have the same, the same feeling of expression. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. The Via Footwear product is a sneaker business with the primary goal of igniting the hustle, fire and ambition in the hearts of South Africans. The word via is a in South African township slang means go, to go, or going. And, and the common word can also be used as a motivation to go get it, which actually translates to chase or go after your dream. So you can see the association carry through there. To quote Le, uh, Tabang Lebwada, who's the, the via brand manager, our sneakers help ambitious people who want to be successful to realign with their goal by reminding them of that their dreams are valid and that they can conquer all challenges that may come their way, unlike just offering them fashionable sneakers. So again, you, you can see that there's this wonderful thread of, of carry through of, of into the, the, the fabric of society. And, and I really like the fact that every single one of those brands stands for something as positive as that. So that, that said, though, Kevin, it, it seems that only Bartu and Drip Footwear have a broad-based communication strategy in place um, with evidence of, of effective use of large-format outdoor billboards, current and updated social media and websites, content on uh, YouTube, e-commerce in place, participation on talk show, radio, uh, particularly the business segment, uh, Bartu branded delivery vehicles, well-designed retail stores, and good collaboration and PR. And it's a pity because while some of the other brands do have a mix of some of those communication elements in place, um, they've not positioned their brands in the same way that Bartu and Drip Footwear brand have. And, and they've got beautiful stories to use to complete that positioning, Kevin. You've just heard about every single one of them, the intent, the purpose, the the, the enablement, supporting youth, making a difference in the world. And and they've they've missed something there. And I really hope that they they hear this conversation and step back into the opportunity of picking their brands up and being as effective in the communication mix as as um Bartu and a drip footwear are. 
But Craig, I mean, I, I just want to share a quote that, that sort of is something I've been working on and that it so applies to, to this kind of uh, everything you're talking to these brands. You know, um, George Bernard Shaw said, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists to trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And, you know, when you, list, you look at some of the stories you're sharing, people are in the face of adversity, like everything is counting against them. They still, with, with that story, with that, that narrative, have gone out and created some of, you know, like a South African national brand and yes. have stores in, in countries like this. It's, it's amazing. I, you know, I, yes. I, it's, it's phenomenal to, to hear that. But, I mean, Craig, I guess that if you're not positioning your brand effectively in a local market, there's very little chance of making it on the content, let alone, uh, let alone globally, right? Yeah, 100% correct, Kevin. You know, and, and again, as you allude to, to the energy, the intent, the passion, all of those components exist. It's just about... You know, maybe maybe they need to have a forum where where the the two successful founders and leaders are able to bring some of that knowledge and disseminate it across the industry and help some of the smaller businesses get their 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 foot up as well. And excuse the pun in this instance, but you know, it it really is what 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 we are seeing with young entrepreneurs two in a row stating share the knowledge, share the knowledge, share the knowledge. Maybe here's yeah. an opportunity for the founders of Barty and Drip Footwear to, to come and share the knowledge and uh, help some of these these other smaller brands become more successful. Yeah, so if anyone out there is listening, they know um, the, the, the founders and owners of Drip Footwear and Bartu, please invite them and tell them, Craig and Kim, we want to chat to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting them in the corner to ask them to do that, they may go, well, what the hell are you asking us? You're actually going to give our competitive edge away here now. But, you know, um, the, the market, the marketplace is big enough for, for multiple brands to exist. And I, and I really do think that um, the, the successful local born brands the owners of successful local born brands could do a lot more to to share that wisdom and help a couple of other brands succeed yeah and like, as we mentioned a few times on the show Craig you know uh, competition is a good thing because that means we have to evolve and adapt and and really get ourselves out there right <laughs> so yes. in ending our conversation today um what tips do we share with our listeners what do we take away from today yeah, Kevin, you're just following on from, from the global versus local conversation we're having now. I, I want to complete my contribution today by referencing an article that I came across some time ago, a um, good couple of years ago, but it still has absolute relevance. Titled Six Ways That Local Firms Can Compete With Global Brands, it was published by David Harland on the inblack.com site, which is the leadership strategy and business blog. Um, and to quote, we note local business knowledge, a commitment to flexibility and innovation, as well as a personalized customer service is vital. So let me take, take the guys through, through the, the six tips for success. So number one, know your local market. Leverage the advantage of being able to deeply understand localized customer preference. This will give you the edge in satisfying the specific demands of the local market. Capitalize on local knowledge. 
This is one of the best ways for local firms to level the playing field. Really great point there. A great example is, is actually Google, Kevin, which emerged from the university dorm to beat technology giants Microsoft and Yahoo at their own game. Yeah. And how did they do that? They just focused on what the users wanted. They wanted more relevant search results. Point two is focus on the client. Customer service can be a huge differentiator in almost any industry. That's a fact. Knowledge of local taste not only serves to increase client satisfaction, but it is used to build brand loyalty and generate repeat business. And again, going into the niche segment. Be market responsive. Unlike global competitors, small firms don't usually have to answer to shareholders or boards of directors. This can mean greater maneuverability in terms of taking advantage of emerging opportunities and equally not necessarily being beholden to, to quarterly earnings and uh, short-term profit projections. And yes, so whilst the, the, the top-down approach and heavy number persuasive uh, reporting requirements are out of the way, um, small businesses still have to be very cognizant of the importance to get the financial reporting right there, Kevin. In contrast, though, large firms must consider the entire market with every shift in strategy, new product or changes in service. And again, going back to the smaller businesses, they can be a lot more nimble and can respond immediately to changes in the environment. They also do need, to, however, to stay close to customers' needs and avoid making reactionary decisions. The fourth point here is to innovate, to stay relevant. A maker of long-term business success is the ability to continuously innovate. However, resist and update your, uh, revisit and update your brand and product offering just enough to bring customers along at a pace that they're comfortable with. And remember, if you move too fast, you may also risk alienating your customers. Conversely, if you move too slowly, your brand might lose its reputation for quality service and relevance. Always keep ahead of the customers, and, and this is great for small firms because they can offer leadership while staying in tune with the evolving needs, whereas large companies often lose that granularity and fail to adapt to the market once. Small firms that know their clients well can use this to uncover unmet needs and develop products and services in new ways, Kevin. Fifth point is developing strategic partnerships. Strategic partnerships can give small firms the edge over large brands, despite their superior marketing, product development, and technological resources. Organizations with a strategic partnership will almost certainly be better placed to not only retain the qualities that made them successful in the first place, but Kevin, yeah, depending on the nature of those businesses, also the value add by offering customers access to the tools, technologies, brands, and more often associated with, with the larger competitors. This also applies to innovation, which is a great way to bring new products and services to market. Um, and that's that's to join forces with other related organizations. And the last point here is, is play to your strengths. Studies show that small locally owned firms have an inherent advantage in terms of customer loyalty and even the way their brands are perceived over larger frequent foreign owned brands. Qualities like family and or local ownership, long-time loyalty to clients and proven commitment to customer satisfaction can create a powerful empathy with the local market. Reinforce these qualities at every opportunity to differentiate your brand from larger competitors and to capitalize on the advantages you have. And, and again, going back to all six brands we've covered today, every single one of those sneaker brands have had this, this linkage, this, this linkage to family type approach, local ownership, 
being loyal to those that help them get their first step up as well. And, and that really is important. Yeah, and finally, Kevin, size doesn't matter nearly as much as success, profitability, and longevity. Small firms can successfully compete with global competitors by carving out a niche and making the most of their strength. By staying connected to the customers, by being nimble, and building strategic partnerships, they can even up the playing field and con continue to dominate their local market. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. You know, play to your strengths. I think I was watching um, Amazon, how how old Jeff put uh, started Amazon, and you know how he <laughs> came about it. Also in his just in his garage kind of thing, you know. So um, play to your strengths. I think that's a significant yes. point. Yeah, it's so it's so you know it's so true. But I mean, um, thanks, Craig. I mean, that's that's a wrap for today. Um, as we wrap up our conversation, please let us know uh, what you're going to share with us next week. Yeah, Kevin, um, I'd like to continue our conversation in support of Women's Month in South Africa yeah. um, by inviting Tara Turkington, who's CEO and founder of Flow Communications, and Tiffany Turkington, her sister, who's MD of Flow Communications. Both of them are going to join the show. Um, both Tara and Tiffany collectively head up the agency, which is 67% woman-owned, so really great to get their point of view. Set some context quickly, though. Um, Flow Communications is not only a leading independent marketing communication strategy agency based in South Africa, but is also a certified member of We Connect International, which is the Global Association of Majority Women-Owned Businesses. They're a member of The Network One, which is the world's largest and fastest growing network of respected independent creative media, public relations and marketing agencies, and most recently been selected to the Stanford Seed Transformation Program, which is an initiative of the Stanford Graduate School of Business that aims to support high potential entrepreneurs to grow and scale their business. And really great accolades. And, and um, I know we're going to have a fantastic, insightful discussion with Loads of important points uh, for our listeners and young potential startups as well, Kevin. Fantastic. Yeah, exciting. Craig, I'm, I'm also looking forward to the flow communications um, from the conversations that we've had. Uh, already um, very eager to hear the insights and, and who they are and what they do. And guys, if you want to join us, it's every Thursday at 12 o'clock on ebrisradio.com and all major podcast channels now. That's the lunchtime marketing segment uh, under the lunchtime series. And uh, Craig, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. Look forward to next week. Have a great uh, few days ahead. Oh,